the orphan trains? Some of you. Homeschoolers. <laughs> um, it, this was a chapter in American history that n is relatively unknown, um, but it set the stage for today's uh, foster care system, the adoption practices, and the ch child welfare organizations and laws that we have in place today. Um, as was indicated in the videos, um, in 1850, when New York City's population was 500,000, an estimated 10,000 to 30,000 homeless children lived on the streets or were warehoused in or overcrowded orphanages. Some children were orphaned when their parents died in epidemics of typhoid, yellow fever, or the flu, and many were sons and daughters of down-on-their-luck immigrants flooding into the city from Europe. Every day, children were abandoned or orphaned as a result of extreme poverty, disease, or alcoholism. In 1852, a young clergyman, this was Charles Loring Brace. This, this picture was taken, obviously, when he was a little older, but at the ripe old age of 26, he founded the Children's Aid Society and devised a plan to give these homeless waifs, as he called them, a chance at finding families that they could call their own. Thus began an extraordinary migration known as placing out, in which an estimate of more than 200,000 200, children from 1854 to 1929 were placed on these trains called orphan trains and traveled west, which these trains stopped in towns where the children could be adopted out to the local townsfolk. And as, again, as was said in the uh, videos, posters and newspaper notices were, were uh, sent to the towns ahead of time, inviting the people to come and participate in this uh, placing out program. Most of the train riders were from New York or other large cities in the East, and they were accompanied by guardians, the man and the woman, um, with this particular group of kids that went um, on a train. Um, these guardians stayed with them the duration of, of the trip, and um, they, again, as was stated in the... Uh, um, in the video, these kids were lined up, most often on, um, <clears throat> they were placed on a stage or a platform, and this is where we get the term put up for adoption. I never knew that before. You know, I mean, I, I never really thought about it, of course, but um, this is where we get that term because the kids were put up on a platform or a stage and people could come and just choose them for, for uh, taking in their family. And um, they, uh, it was oftentimes a, a humiliating experience for these kids. Um, if you can imagine being thrown into this situation where you leave everything that you know. Um, some of these kids did have families back in New York um, they may, to, may have had one parent that 
just wasn't able to take care of them or they had siblings, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so in typically within the span of a week, a child could go from living in an orphanage or on the streets uh, to living in a Midwestern farm or town. Some found parents that loved them and took care of them. Others were never, they never felt at home with their new families. And some were treated as laborers and nothing more. And some were, were mistreated. Uh, among the, the orphan train riders that were placed in a home where a couple had lost a child of their own and were unable to have any more children was my mom, Anna Faye Popkus Wheat. This is a picture of my mom soon after she was placed with her new family in Missouri. The only things when she rode on the train, she was two years old, and the only thing that she had were the clothes on her, on her body, and they had given her a little rag doll. And uh, she rode on the train with her older brother, John who was five at the time. And um, my mom got in touch years and years laters, later with the Orphan Train His, His Heritage Society of America. And her story was published in um, the uh, spring 1989 newsletter. And here is her story as she wrote in. TV program sparks orphans' memories. Editor's note, Mrs. Ann Wheat of Whitehall, Montana wrote the following letter to OTHSA after seeing the Unsolved Mysteries television program concerning the orphan trains. And this is what my mom wrote. I'm writing to you in response to the program Unsolved Mysteries, which aired on TV January 25th. What a bittersweet program. It brought back many memories to me. I am one of thousands of children who traveled west on the orphan trains from New York City. I was born Olga Sakala, May 15, 1921, to Paul and Anna Sakala of New York, both arriving to this country via Ellis Island from Austria sometime before 1921. I had a brother, John, three years older than I was, who also traveled on the orphan train with me. I learned many years later that I also had three sisters and or brothers and that we had lived in the Manhattan borough and placed in an orphanage when I was about a year old. When I was about two years old, my brother and I were undertaken by the Children's Aid Society and sent by train from New York City to Missouri. There were 14 children ages 2 to 10 and accompanied by a Mr. and Mrs. J.W. Swan of Sedalia, Missouri. We arrived in Monroe City, Missouri, July 20th, 1923. My brother was taken by a family named Millard DeLashment, but this did not work out and he later was adopted by the Medcap family of Huntsville, Missouri. We were separated from then on as I was taken by Mr. and Mrs. Ernest Popkus, who had no children of Victor, Missouri. When I was four years old, I was legally adopted by the Popkisses at Paris, Missouri. I saw my brother only four times until we were grown. Later, he visited me in Spokane, Washington, where my adoptive parents had moved. 
He later married and visited me and my family, my husband and, f and then four children, in Montana. The next and last time he and his wife flew to Henderson, Nevada to visit us, and a short time later, John died of heart trouble at the age of 43. Meanwhile, I was trying to secure a birth certificate, which I finally did, and to, to my surprise, I learned that my name was Olga, and that I had uh, the name Anna belonged to my natural mother. I also learned that I was the youngest of five children, one deceased. So with John also deceased, I have two siblings. Although I was raised by a very loving family, there was always that desire to learn the details of my background. I have five wonderful children, 12 grandchildren, and nothing would please me more than to have any information that would lead to finding out about my past. And then she gives her, her um, uh, contact information. Um, it's interesting to note that when, um, when this show um, was aired uh, on TV, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, they thought, you know, they would be lucky to get a handful of phone calls. And, and the phone calls just flooded in of people that were desperate to find out about their families and their background, um, other orphan train riders. Um, my mom, as she said, started in um, New York City. Her parents were Austrian. Her father uh, was Paul, her mother Anna. And on her birth certificate, um, this is a copy of her discharge letter from the Children's Aid Society. And this is a copy, it's not really too bright, but when my mom secured these documents from the folks in New York, this was back when, you know, there were no scanners and computers and all of that, and so this, these are all uh, Xerox copies, and um, they lived at 434 Pearl Street in Manhattan, and uh, her mom was uh, 33, and her dad was 34, and um, I I'm so curious to know why, why they gave her and John up, but we'll never know. Um, and uh, so it, there was just a great desire on my mom's part to, to find out as much as she could about her background. Um, Fourteen children arrived by train to Monroe City, Missouri on July 20th, 1923. Seven girls and seven boys. John was taken by the Delashmits. Um, as she said in her letter, but my mom, who was only two years old, was not chosen there. So she had to get back on the train, if you can imagine, as a two-year-old, leaving her brother, and uh, got back on the train, and um, she was chosen by um, Ernest and Minnie Mae Popkiss, about 60 miles down the road. Um, this is my grandmother, Minnie Mae, when she was uh, in her 20s. Um, 
and uh, she and her husband Ernest were farmers in Missouri, um, and things were tough. Things were really hard then. Um, they uh, went through the Depression years and really struggled, um, but they were a hardworking couple, and they loved my mom. Um, and so uh, times being what they were and farming in Missouri was so difficult, they ended up moving to Spokane, Washington, um, where my mom went to Mead High School, actually, where Katrina went to high school. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and then she, after she graduated from, from high school, she went on to Whitworth College there in Spokane. And it was in Spokane that she met my dad. And they were moved, uh, they were married and then moved to Superior, Montana, where my, uh, they joined my, my dad's parents who were ranching near Superior. And um, so when my, um, this is a photo of my mom when she was pregnant with, uh, no, uh, uh, there. Um, when she was pregnant with my oldest brother, Mike, and they had moved back to Superior. Um, when Mike was a toddler and my brother Dave was a baby, uh, my parents' house burned to the ground. And um, so my mom lost that rag doll. The only thing that she had that connected her with that time in her life. Um, then in the 1950s, the family consisted of my mom and dad and four kids, Mike, David, Kathy, and Kevin, and they moved to Henderson, Nevada, uh, a suburb of Las Vegas, so my, my dad got a, a job there. And when my parents were pushing 40 years old, uh, my mom found out she was pregnant with me. <laughs> she cried for the first several months of the pregnancy. <laughs> As you can imagine, I would too. I mean, they had four kids. You know, their youngest was seven. They were moving on, but the Lord had other plans. And, and um, so on February 27, 1961, I joined the family. And my mom and dad always made me feel like I was such a blessing to the family. And um, they always... Uh, I always felt loved um, and pretty spoiled, too, I might add. Um, there were some interesting similarities and contrasts with my mom and me. We're both the baby of families of five children. She was given up by her biological mom, but she chose to keep me, even though it wasn't convenient or uh, wasn't in the plan, necessarily. Um, she was an only child growing up in her adoptive home. From the age of 10, I was the only child in our home as my siblings were older and out of the house at that time. So it was like I was an only child from that standpoint. Um, my mom was a very godly woman. Isn't she beautiful? She looks like a movie star. Um, she was a very godly woman, and though she lived through some just extremely hard times. Um, uh, she faced rejection and hardship. She never complained about her circumstances. And I, I say that in all honesty, she just 
was always grateful for what the, the Lord provided. And um, that was an incredible um, example to me, even though it's been in recent years that I have come to appreciate that and take note of it. Um, my mom passed away suddenly in May of 1995. And um, since that time, I've just yearned to ask her questions about her life. What was going through your mind and, and happening in your life when you were going through this? Or, you know, I just never, I never considered that I would lose her so suddenly. And, and so I just really encourage all of you that have folks that are living um, and grandparents, ask them questions about their lives. Ask them about what was going on in, in their hearts and in their lives at particular times. Um, you know, when they were your age, for example. Uh, don't take that for granted. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a real blessing. And, it, and it's an amazing gift to be able to look back at our history, the, the history of our family. Um, I, you know, obviously it's not a, um, it's a, a no-brainer that I didn't consciously think this, but there's kind of the idea of your life, your parents' lives started when you were born. You know, it's like they didn't have a life before I came along, you know, in my egocentric little world. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't find out a, that my mom had ridden on an orphan train um, until I was uh, an adult, basically until she saw that, that show on TV. She just didn't talk about it. You know, it was, it was a hard time, and, but she wasn't one to dwell in the past. And so, um, you know, basically the, the key to my mom's story is that although um, my mom knew her, never knew her biological father and her adoptive dad, um, was, he was a good man, but he, um, he died when she was a young woman. And she really went through life without knowing um, those earthly fathers for very long, um, her biological dad, not at all. But she always knew that she had a heavenly father that loved her <clears throat> and, and that he had adopted her into the greatest family ever. And I, um, because I too have been adopted into that family, um, which is the most incredible family that could ever be, which is the family of God. Uh, I'm looking to, forward to just a fabulous reunion with my mom one day. And, um, and then we'll know her story. Um, but yeah, I, I brought some uh, books and some documents and a display that my son made for history class when he was in the eighth grade. Um, so there's some stuff in there about the Jackson side of the family, but he focused on my mom and her orphan train ride. And so if you're interested, you can go into my office and I'll have all of those um, after lunch on display. So 
Thank you very much for letting me share this part of my family's history with you. And um, if you're interested in looking up more information about the orphan train and that period of history, there are lots of resources online and lots of books that are written. So thank you.